Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with the late, great Pastor Nick Plummer. That's it. Thank you for having me. I love it. This All is right. great. I'm pretty sure you're having me, but you know. Who's, yeah, who's, we're having each other. <laughs> so, welcome, everybody. Uh, as you know, this is Christians with Torah. We are Christians with Torah. Right? We believe that the whole Bible from Genesis to maps is relevant to believers today. <coughs> and we get into all kinds of cool things like context of the scriptures and stuff like that. So if you're new here, go ahead and subscribe, like this video, do all that good stuff. Help us get the word out. Um, or if you're listening to this on podcasts, go ahead and go ahead and stop now and rate it, right? I mean, if you can't tell that it's already gonna be awesome, just you know, maybe you should stop listening, you know. Or don't keep going. I encourage Let's you to do keep it. going. So uh, we are in the season of Teshuvah currently. Right now, we're in the season of Teshuvah. And Teshuvah is what we're going to discuss today. It's going to be the contents. I'm not going to get into like a definition of it, but it is a calendar season that goes from uh, the first day of the month of Elul, so Rosh Kadesh Elul, all the way through till Yom Kippur. And so then in there, you have the 10 days of awe at uh, the beginning of Tishri. And this year, these dates are uh, Yom Teruah, uh, also called Rosh Hashanah, is on September 25th in the evening, or it begins on September 25th in the evening. And Yom Kippur begins on October 4th in the evening, making it so that uh, Teshuvah, being 40 days, will start on the a whole month one, of Elul, 10 days of Tishri. Right? right? With a little one, and then all the way to the 10th of Tishri, 10th of Tishri ending on October 5th. In the evening. In the evening. Now. The end of Yom Kippur, yeah. Now, I'm not going to go into too much of this, but scholars, some scholars, I should say, are saying that this year is a Shemitah year, but it is also the seventh Shemitah, right, in the cycles that they figured out. And that that would mean that this Yom Teruah is the beginning of a Jubilee, right? The end of a Shemitah year, beginning of a Jubilee. So that's, I don't know how all that works. Could be interesting. I know that, um, I understand, you know, just what they are from a 30,000 foot view from reading the Torah, but I don't necessarily know how they figured out we're at that point. But I'm excited about it nonetheless. That's right. And I'm going to be in the land of Israel when that happens. Yes, you are. (laughs) That's right. Set the captives free, baby. There you go. Captivity is over. So I say we begin the season of Teshuvah with part one, the return. All right. The kingdom of God has a calendar and contained within that calendar are seasons that we have to go through. It is extremely important that we keep the feast days along with the weekly Sabbath and in every season, we must be obedient. Mm. So the season of Teshuvah, like I said, is a season. Uh, we have the spring feast already fulfilled. We have uh, Pentecost uh, being played out today in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit's being poured out on us right now, leading up to the fall feasts. And then, of course, we know that Passover is the season of redemption, but this is the season of Teshuvah. Uh, teshuvah literally means to return and is the word used to describe the concept of repentance. So remember to return or to churn. It's like a 180 degree churn, basically, is what it looks like. So the season of Teshuvah consists of the month Elul. 
the sixth month and ten days in Tishri, the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, August 27th in the evening to October the 5th, 2022 in the evening. Mm. So there's our period of Teshuvah. This is a practice uh, among the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And I do believe it's going to spread throughout the Hebrew Roots movement and perhaps even into the church. That would be great. Uh, there are prophecies in the Bible about a people in the last days that would return back to God. Now, they're, and they're not Jews. Hmm. So they're, they're not Jews. They're non-Jews. People coming out of the nations. I actually have some verses here about people coming out of the nations. Um, to fulfill prophecy, which is really, really cool. Come alongside the Jewish people. So if you want to find an example of this that we can relate to, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 3. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee. Okay, You're going to bring to mind what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. You have the Torah now. This is the, the revelation you're going to bring to mind what brings a curse, what brings a blessing, and you're going to start to evaluate your, your, your own personal life and your family. Uh, and it says that, uh, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee. So there's a scattering. God said he would scatter. Right. Jezreel means God will scatter. So as we look at this, we're bringing it to mind in Brandon, Florida. We are. Now, yeah. there's some cool context around this verse. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is the verse before this verse, right? So it's funny because you've got this verse, and then I look at this one, and this is where we get live what's revealed, right? Wow. It's the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And that's That's Deuteronomy 29? 29, 29. 29, 29. Which is right before this, and it shall come to pass, right? And that's what's happening. It is Exactly. I mean, what's we're not even Jewish. So it says right here that it shall return unto the Lord thy God and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. I got another verse for that. You ready? Wow. I'm going to give you another, I'm going to give you a confirmation verse. Look at so that. So 29.14 says this. It says, I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone. Because people could argue that he's talking to, you know, the Israelites there, which is true. He is talking to them. But then he says this in verse 15. But with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. So he's making the point that in the future, right. there's going to be a group of people Let's keep it in context. that are getting included. Because what does it say? He says you're going to be in the nations, and then you're going to be gathered from the nations. So he's declaring the Torah to those that are there and those that are not there. That's right. We're still going to get it. That's right. Because in Jeremiah 31, 31, in Hebrews 8, it says that after those days, he'll write his Torah on minds and hearts. You know what else is cool about this verse? We're scattered. These verses one through three, the word return or shub, the Hebrew word that we're going to get into, is in here four times. Four times. It's in the where it says, thou shalt call them to mind. It says, shalt return. And then God will turn your captivity and you will return and gather you. Oh, yeah. I mean, four times. Four times is, means the world. So this is like the Teshuvah verse there. Of course, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 8, And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. You know, I heard God's voice when he said, Let the Jewish people come to, to Beit Tehillah. Yeah. You'll hear my voice and you will obey. So that's why you have the two houses, Judah and Ephraim. That's right. The Jews and the non-Jews. We're coming together. There's reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. 
The word return in, in, in the Strong's Concordance is the Hebrew word shub. It's number 7725, and it means the following, to turn, call to mind, recover, restore, or to retrieve. Mm. So, you know, uh, if, if the Jewish people were required to bring Torah to the nations, what about those that are grafted in in Romans or part of the Commonwealth of Israel in Ephesians 2? So if we are to declare the Torah, if he, if he is going to retrieve us, then we have to have the teachings and instructions. So this whole thing that we just read here, it reminds me of the prodigal son. And I think about the prodigal son's mindset that when he leaves, right, he's, he's, got, he's been raised in a wealthy household where everything's going well. And so because of that, he lacks an understanding of what goes on out in the real world, right? So what does he do? He says, Dad, I want to take my inheritance, and I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go. Yeah. And so what does he do? He goes. And so let's just say that he goes to the equivalent of Las Vegas, right, with lots of money and gambling and lots of vices right. and things to do and, uh, you know, women that or he is smoking and drinking and hanging out with women that do the whole, yeah. the whole lot, right? So he does this, and then he squanders all his inheritance, right? He comes yeah. to this place where he gets to this low point, and he realizes that it would be better to just be a servant in my father's house. Because before when he was in his father's house, he was like, man, this place is lame, right? And I don't get to do nothing I want to do. Right? This is just how I imagine it right. in my head. I didn't really say that. So now he's come to the realization, because of the knowledge that he's gained by getting to a low point in his life. So what does he do? He returns. And when he returns, his attitude is a little different, right? He's humble. His attitude, he's been humbled, right? Yeah. So his attitude is one he where... He returns and he's humbled. He says, I, it would be better to just be a servant in my father's house. At least I get, you know, a warm place to sleep, you know, good food, some clothing, all of these things. And so he returns, and do you think that he's going to return and he's going to have the same attitude he had before where he just kind of... No you know, shirks his responsibilities and bucks the system? No. I don't think so. Now he's going to obey the voice of the Lord and do all the commandments which we command, or he has commanded that day. So he comes back. So the whole idea is that you, when you return, the, the whole idea of God allowing you to go and see what it's like out there is just because he knows that you're going to get cold water splashed in your face and you're going to realize, wow, in my father's house, there's fullness of joy. This is the better place to be. You know, my little Eva is only six years old. And she came up to me. She says, Daddy, when, when Josiah leaves, can I have his room? <laughs> so, you know, there's, you know, jockeying for position. Yeah. If you want to go ahead and hit number eight and start to share on that information. Yeah, yeah. So Isaiah chapter forty four twenty two. So this is the returning, right? So it says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Now we know that Isaiah is like a miniature Bible. Chapters 1 through 39 is a picture of the Old Testament. Chapters 40 to 66 is a picture of the New Testament. And here we are in Isaiah 44. Um, wow, return unto me, because I've redeemed thee. You know, I, I died for you. Yeah. I redeemed you. Come on. Well, and he takes white out, right? He's talking about blotting out. Yeah. He blots out your right. transgressions as a thick cloud. So you know, like sometimes... You're out and the sun is bright, but then like a storm rolls in and there's a thick cloud and it covers the sun and you can't. That's what he does to your sin. He just completely blocks it out so it's not visible. That he took action and we just respond to it. Right. So we return to him because we are forgiven. That's right. Because he died for us. I imagine being rescued from a really bad situation, you know, like in a movie at the climax where something's happening and like, boom, the hero jumps in there and like I'll tell you, saves you know, the day. I mean, think about it, Ryan. We're talking over 2,000 years ago. 
God died. Yeah. We're on borrowed time. We are on borrowed time. That's a long period of time, 2,000 After years. After two days, he shall revive us. Two days is it. Uh, All right, what you got, number nine? All right, so 5111 uh, in chapter, in, uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 51, verse 11. Therefore, he redeemed, I'm sorry, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. You know, when I got my Hebrew roots back in 1995, and then they started planning a trip to go to Israel in um, 96, 97, 98, I went to Feast of Tabernacles. I lived this out. Oh, yeah. I got to go up to Zion with great joy and singing and play my guitar. Yeah. So I know what this verse is like, the center of the universe, Jerusalem, where his name is. Come with singing unto Zion. You go up to Zion. Gladness and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. It was the happiest time of my life. I bet. I can't remember being happier. Something like that. I'm in Jerusalem, you know. You know, this is where Christianity was founded. This is the Lord's city. I mean, this is where his name is, you know. And also, you know, I could say that, you know, on a, October 19th, 1997, I got, you know, betrothed to and started a courtship with my wife, Danielle. That's right. So it's great. You know, it says that uh, everlasting joy shall be upon their head. I can think of a lot of things to wear on your head. <laughs> but I can't think of anything better than joy, right? And it says you'll sing, obtain gladness and joy, but then the best part, sorrow and mourning will run away from you. So you'll be coming, and all the little sorrows and, and things, the mourning and bad things, they'll just like scatter like, like, like the field mice away from my mower. They don't you know? matter. They don't matter. They don't matter. And it's funny, too, because there's like three compartments to your brain, and joy is at the top of your head. Mm. So like when you say the elevator doesn't go to the top? Yeah, we're hoping it does. <laughs> we need to get it up there, you know. I'm telling you. Just push the highest button. Beep. All right. That's the trick. So Isaiah 63, 17. O Lord, why hast thou made us to err from thy ways and hardened our hearts from thy fear? Return for thy servant's sake the tribes of thine inheritance. This wow. is the hardened. I found it. There it is. That's what I was looking you for. You know, that's right actually here. a prayer if you go back and look at it. It's very interesting. It's a prayer on Isaiah 63. The uh, the return for thy servant's sake, the tribes of thine inheritance. So that's interesting because he wants the servant to return. He re- wants the people of God to return. But he says it's for the servant's sake. So they're they're pleading with him at this point. They're like, Lord, we can't handle this, you know, excommunication or whatever, you know. Right. And he, he's also, I also find this interesting because he's saying that he hardened the heart, right? So like... This is what I was trying to find earlier today when we were talking. He says, And why hast thou made us err from thy ways and hardened our heart? I don't know that I've ever done anything that I wasn't supposed to do and then been like, God, why'd you make me do that? Yeah, that's true, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I it's get just, it. Just a thought, you know. Just a thought. Uh, all right, Hosea one eleven. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. That's right. So we've got to kind of look this over a little bit here. Why is the day of Jezreel so great? Well, let me, let me read this bullet yeah. point, and, and we'll talk about yeah. it. So Jezreel was the legitimate child between the prophet Hosea and his wife Gomer after they were married. Now, Jezreel's name means God sows, and this is a picture of Ephraim coming out of the nations where God scattered him today. 
And so, once again, you got to remember, Jezreel was the legitimate child between Hosea and Gomer. Then Lo Ruhamah, not my people, Lo Ami, no mercy, came afterward. There was a daughter, Lo Ruhamah. She was illegitimate. Mm-hmm. She wasn't. She wasn't uh, Hosea's child. Mm-hmm. And then, as well as the two witnesses of infidelity, Lo Ami, no mercy. That was a boy. So the girl and the boy represent, you know, the illegitimate you know, status of Gomer, the prostitute. But great will be the day of Jezreel, the legitimate child between Hosea and Gomer. Great will be that day. In the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, it shall be said unto them, you are the children, the sons of the living God. That's right. That means that that God redeems Lo-Ruhamah and Lo-Ami. Probably gives them a new name. You know, in Hosea 3.5, as we continue on, because we're in one eleven, it says, Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So there's the latter days. So we can see that this has come true. And David their king means the Messiah because Yeshua would come through the line of Judah. Is that Akarit? The, the latter days latter at days. the end, you know. Uh, and so this is what's really amazing as you see people coming out of the nations, getting their Hebrew roots in it. It's so powerful. And as we go into it, we had Hosea 1.11, Hosea 3.5, but in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, uh, it goes on to say, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. So let's break this down. Come and let us return unto the Lord's Shub. And we know what does that mean? To turn, call to mind, recover, restore and retrieve. So this is what we're doing in the last days. We are returning. For he hath torn, he tore the kingdom in half, the Ephraim and Judah, the northern kingdom and the southern. He tore it and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. In verse 2 of Hosea 6, after two days will he revive us. So basically, he will revive us. So a day of Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is this one day. And so what's happening is Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. My father and mother didn't practice Hebrew roots. My grandparents, my great-grandparents didn't follow the Hebrew roots. But now here I am with Torah on my mind and my heart. You know, that's what you got to tell people. God's writing his Torah on my mind. I'm like, really? He's not doing that to me. Well, would you like for him to? Ask him to. Um, and so and then it goes on to say, he, he will revive us uh, after two days. And then in the third day, we, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Isn't it interesting? On the third day, they married in the morning, God at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, on the third day. After they prepared themselves. Um it says here, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain into the earth. So the former rain is in uh, the fall when they plant the crops, and the latter rain is when the crops come up. So that's a picture of Yeshua. You know, uh, there's been a date um, made for the, the birth of Yeshua based upon evidence in the Bible, some, some interesting thoughts is that uh, September 11th, 3 BC, the Feast of Trumpets, based upon the astronomical sign found in Revelation, you could actually depict that date that at the time of trumpets, 
hear the angels heralding the birth of Yeshua to the shepherds in the fields because they wouldn't be in the fields in December for December 25th. Yeah. For Christmas. So it's something to think about. I mean, we don't have a date of Yeshua's birth, but Dr. Michael S. Heiser uh, comes up with that date to think about and look at, you know, just something to, to, to look at. Uh, but he's going to come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain to the earth. So uh, in Hosea, you know, this whole book is so powerful. The book of Hosea consists of three parts. The sins and the breaking of the marriage covenant by the people. So that's the, you know, there it is, the sins. Number two, the judgment of God and the northern kingdom sent into Assyrian captivity in 722 B.C. So there's the judgment of God right there because of the sins. But last but not least, number three, Ryan, is for us. In the last days, the people of the northern kingdom of Israel, Ephraim, will return back to God. So that's why we don't want to be distracted in our culture. We need to hear his voice and obey because he's got stuff for us to do, things for us to do. Uh, to you know to, to get done and uh, as I continue on in Hosea 14 7 they that dwell under his shadow shall return shuv they shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon so agriculturally speaking uh, Israel's really growing you're going to know the vineyards when you go with your family don't That's think right. about it the the, the, the corn and the, and the vine I mean boom the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon He's going to revive the agricultural, you know, um, landscape of Israel. I mean, think about the the, the vineyards. It's, they're beautiful. Uh, Hosea 14, 9. Uh, this is the, the really closing of the book, pretty much. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. So the very thing that helps the people that walk in righteousness, that walk in the ways of the Lord, will cause the wicked to fall. The very right. things. Right, because now we're a standard. Judgment begins with the house of God, meaning we know the verdict. We know what's going on. We know what God requires of us. So within the Hebrew Roots movement, God is gathering Ephraim, Gentiles from the nations, and they have the understanding of returning with a great responsibility some of and them maturity. Do. Some, some, of, of, them some do. of them do. <laughs> so I'm going to turn it over to you. But yeah, that's a lot to take in. You it, know? it is a lot. I mean, trust me that this is this is something we could spend way longer than a single podcast on. But um, you know what you just said within the Hebrew roots movement, God is gathering Ephraim, Gentiles from the nations, and so there's a whole background context to even get that understanding of the identity of God's people that are coming out of the nations that are being called towards the things of God, the Sabbath, the feast days, the Torah. This is why you shouldn't be enticed by the things of this world. Right. I mean, there's entertainment, there's yeah. leisure time, right. but where do you draw the line and, and decide what entertainment is and what it isn't? So you have to be careful what you watch and what you see. But I think that by returning, we're, we're positioning ourselves to hear from God and doing the things that he's requiring of us to do, yeah. even just to practice our faith. Right. You know. So – um, let's keep going. Number uh, 16 here is Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 7. And it says, And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Two different groups of people. It is. You can't lump everybody in. It's all Jews. Yeah. Oh, the Old Testament's just Jews. The New Testament's Gentiles. Well, and also this is, this is it says the captivity of Judah, but this is talking about the captives, right? So he's retrieving. So when it says return, it's not that he's returning the captivity to them. Right? It's that he's returning them back to the place they were at the first. 
And that's what's cool about this. King James makes it a little difficult to understand there. Notice that there are two different groups of people, as Pastor Nick said, uh, called Judah, the Jews or the natural branches, and Israel, also called the Friam, the wild branches. They both have to come together and return as the whole house of Israel. That's why you want Jews in your life. The Gentiles should be befriend the Jewish people. Right. And have that mutual respect between Christianity and Judaism. I want to make that very clear. There's a mutual respect between Judaism and Christianity that's happening today between the Jews and the Gentiles. And there's an association happening and an agreement, a shaking of the hands. Right. And supporting. So then Malachi says this, Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him Is that Malachi 3.18? It is Malachi 3.18. Now check this out. Wow. Remember we talked about the prodigal son? Yeah. And his attitude. Right. Well, when you return, now you'll be able to discern between the righteous and the wicked and between those that serve God and those that don't. Now the original sin that Adam and Eve committed was eating from the knowledge or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. And this is the problem. Sometimes this knowledge becomes sorrow. There's things that we don't want our kids to even know about. Right. Right? But we want to protect our kids from them. And sometimes we think, hey, not knowing about these things may protect them from them. Right. Well, it's the same idea here. You know, we got cast out into this captivity, right, out into the, the nations, into the world. Right. Given over to our own, you know, selfish desires and, you know, vain ambitions right. and all this. But now that we've realized the error of our ways and we return to the Lord, because not everybody returned. This is the problem. Right. But those that do return are now able to discern between the righteous and the wicked and between those that serve God. And, and that's that the last prophet before the New Testament comes about. 400 years. Malachi. They say 400 prophet. years of silence. So again, the word return, which is the Hebrews 77:25, the word hushub, to turn, to call to mind, to recover, to restore, and to retrieve. I love this word. It's powerful. It is. I love teshuvah. So that concludes part one. So now we're going to go into... Part two, which is repentance, to turn. You know, we all need to turn, you know. The season of Teshuvah is also about repentance. According to the rabbis, man is born with an evil inclination or a tendency to sin of which repentance is the antidote. You ever seen a small child grab a toy? Mine, mine, mine. Mine. You don't see the child just, here you go. No, no, everybody wants to think that the first word their kid says is like mama and dada. No, it's no, mine. They learn two words, no and mine. No and mine. So repentance means more than just turning from one's sins. It is a return to God and to the right path. So this is a time of reflection. So yeah. the Hebrew concept of repentance has to do with the word turn, making an about face. Right. right? You're going a certain way and you turn. Exactly. Like the prodigal son. In the Greek, the word... Um, actually is very similar, but more has like an elevated concept for th your thought process, right? So I was, I was thinking this way, then I received new information or something was presented to me, and now I was convinced, I repented, and I changed my mind. Wow. So your mind literally changes. So uh, easy examples of this was, I thought this was the best way to go to this place, but no, literally, it's this other place, right? I thought a straight line was the fastest way to get to anything. And then you realize that's not true. You know, that, you know the, the point is, you know, God is holy and there's a way to approach him. Right. Just remember that. So he's given us this protocol, these things to do to approach him, a holy God, because we're created in his image. 
In Ezekiel 18, verses 21 through 23, it says, But if the wicked will churn, or shub, from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return, shub, from his ways and live? You know, a born-again experience is when your spirit and God's spirit meet. Boom! It's a born-again experience, and that's what's really interesting. So God's perfect love causes him to be merciful to those who recognize their sin and turn back to him. But he cannot overlook those who willfully sin. Wicked people die both physically and spiritually. God takes no joy in their deaths. He would prefer that they turn to him and have eternal life. So think about it. These are the unbelievers. Amen. These are wicked people, because I want to keep it in context. Because now he's going to shift gears in Ezekiel 18, verses 30 through 32, and he's going to say this. Of course, you know, this thing about prefer that they turn to him and have eternal life is found in 2 Peter 3, 9. Do you want to read that? I can, yeah. So there's a reference, 2 Peter 3, 9. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be with him and to have eternal life. All right, it says, uh, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Ezekiel is the, is the prophet to those that are in captivity. He's the prophet that, that, that are those that are in Babylon. So, yeah. so we're, we're not in captivity anymore. We're not in exile, but we're just in the diaspora. We're just scattered. So keep that in mind, because Jeremiah was the, 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 the prophet that corresponded from Jerusalem. But in Ezekiel 18, verses 30 through 32, it says, Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent, shub, <laughs> and churn, shub, it's the same word, your, yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. See? It's your responsibility because you got yourself in this mess. You got to get yourself out and, and, and renew a right spirit within me. Remember, that's what David said, King David, when he sinned against Bathsheba, committed, of course, uh, adultery and murder. Renew a right spirit within me, see? So it's our responsibility like David. It says, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, churn, shub yourselves, and live ye right there. God is going to judge those in the house of Israel that are living in their transgressions and their iniquities. Ezekiel's solution to the problem of inherited guilt is for each person to have a changed life. God does this work in us. We cannot do it for ourselves. Our heart and spirit become broken and tainted. The Holy Spirit gives these to us. You want to read Psalm 51 verses 10 through 12, Ryan? So Ezekiel's solution to the problem of inherited guilt is for each person to have a changed life. God does this work in us. We cannot do it for ourselves. Our heart and spirit become broken and tainted. The Holy Spirit gives these to us. Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Praise God. That's beautiful. It is beautiful, and I'll tell you what. So much hope. You know, here in Ezekiel, people are getting the the prophecy of what's to come, right? That people are going to turn from their ways and return back to the Lord. And there's been revival after revival over the years where people have turned back to the Lord. But you make this good point here. It says we cannot do it for ourselves. We have to depend on the Lord. And so the ultimate thing is to surrender your life over to the Lord. That's the key, the key piece of all of this. And what we do every year in Teshuvah is, you know, maybe we're not the prodigal son off, you know, in Vegas, so to speak, right? Maybe we're not in Sin City. But we are every year on that spiral staircase going to that next level with the Lord, finding the things that we still haven't given over to him, right? Because we make victories, you know, little by little. But, you know, let me remind all of you that are listening or watching that, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a, like a broken heart and a broken spirit because you have circumstances that are out of your control sometimes right. within the congregation or, or, or the, the personal life. But, you know, but it's one thing to put yourself in, in a sinful environment and sin and have regrets. It's another thing to be a victim. And now all of a sudden you got to work through that new heart and that new spirit yeah. for healing. See, so it's, it's interesting. Have a heart, you know, like you ever seen that? The Wizard of Oz, you know. Have a heart. Yeah. <laughs> Have a heart. So he wanted a heart. So, you know, I would just encourage people that um, don't do it to yourself. Get out Get out of the pigsty. Oh, yeah. Get like out a of dog it. returning back to, the, to its vomit. Oof. That's a very powerful scripture. You yeah. know, who wants to go back to that stuff, you know? No. I know what it's like to be in bondage. I know what it's like to be free. I like being free. And when I'm reminded of it, I want it even more. Yeah. Because it's just the right thing to do. For sure. So a little note here. In the Bible, a distinction is made between repentance for sins committed against God and for those sins that are committed against one's fellow man. And so that's uh, an important piece to note, right? Because you can categorize basically all all the, the commandments between those that have to do with you and God and those that have to do with you and your fellow man. You know, I guess with 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 man there can be restitution, but not with God. No, you're on his mercy. Well, because it's like it talks about, you know, that's what you do for each other. You give restitution to right. one another. Right. But the act of the sin is just needs to be forgiven. There's really no restitution to be made except just to change your life. But if I do you wrong, I want to do you right. Well, and that's why some That's sins, what restitution is. Some sins you can't make restitution, right? Yeah. There's just certain things that like, you know, some things are irreparably damaged or they aren't it's an act that you can't put it back in the bottle, right? Something right. you know, can't put the cat back in the bag. So So number 25 here for this reason, the Torah has two different sacrifices dealing with sin. The first one was known as hatat which is the sin offering, while the other is called the asham, or the guilt offering. And so the sin offering taught that when man sinned against God, restitution must be made with God, whereas the guilt offering concerned man's restoring his relationships with another man before God. Yeah, so there is restitution to God. So, but God is the ultimate arbitrator, right? He's the one that is going to mediate. Yeah, I was just us. thinking about this restitution of 20%. You know, I was just thinking of that concept. Yeah. That, you know, you're supposed to give back whatever 
needs to be given back in a fault plus 20 percent sure to a fellow man so but there, see it says right here that uh restitution must be made with god so i guess it's just maybe that's like, like reconciled better. reconciliation probably be a better word yeah because restitution i mean how can you pay god back for your sins you can't no you sinned you messed up well and that's the big Term. issue yeah which is why Yeshua had to come and die, because there is no way to make restitution with God, right? The it's it's the blood that that makes that atonement, right? That that covers right the sin. And if a person sinned against his, another person, forgiveness would not be given by God if the guilty party only confessed his sin to God. He must first make restitution with his fellow man, and then come. There's to the God. restitution. So then let's say, for example, that uh, we look at David and Bathsheba, right? How does David make restitution with Uriah? I mean, Uriah's dead, you know? And so this is one of those cases where... He paid for that dearly. Oh, he did. He lost his first four sons, right? So it's four lambs for a lamb. He did. He lost his first four sons. So there was a restitution made with God. God made it right. I mean, he he, he literally avenged Uriah. Um he was on the run from King Saul for 13 years, oh, yeah. but that was before yes. Bathsheba and Uriah. So he actually has been put through the ringer. Oh, man, David went through the ringer. But he was a psalmist. He was. He's also a warmonger. The messianic psalms, you know. Blood on his hands. Yeah. You know, he was, I think that David, um, I think a lot of us can see ourselves in David, right? That, that sometimes we go through without thinking and we just cause a, path of destruction in our wake you know with the actions that we take and then later on you're like oh geez that wasn't that wasn't good you know and you repent to god and he shows that process in like a a a microcosm you know of what we can see for each of us as individuals maybe we're not you know going to war or wiping out so why don't you share the verses that share about the uh the reconciliation right the restitution reconciliation between another Sure. So Yeshua referred to this in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, Therefore, if you bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. See, he wants us to have good relationships. If it be possible, be at peace with all men. He wants us to have good relationships. So we got to keep that in mind. Even if somebody rubs you the wrong way or whatever, you know, get through it, get over it, talk about it, but, you know, deal with it and, and respect people, talk to people, you know, build a relationship up with people. Even if you're not even really close to them, you know, you can actually get to know people, you know, and they know you. Yeah. And you're friendly and you're nice, you're civil, you know, but that's, that's an important thing right there. It is. And then also Matthew 6, uh, 14 through 15 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's powerful. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, that's, that's hard to fit in some people's uh, the, theological box. The, but. Fa- the, famous, the famous questions are, or the question is, is it easier to ask for forgiveness or to give forgiveness? I think it depends on people's personality. I think it's harder to forgive than to ask. Oh, I can give forgiveness all day. I can ask for forgiveness. Not me. I mean, I feel like for me, I could say, hey, you know, I, I was wrong. Oh, I could I, do that, yeah. But but I'm just saying that, but as far as the, the, the 
sacrificial act of forgiveness is probably a little harder for me. I mean, I do forgive, yeah. but I'm just saying it probably is a little harder. I'm probably quick to for, ask for forgiveness and, and say, I need to really do this and make it right than to say, you know, oh, I forgive them. Well, I forgive them. It's like it takes a little more time, I think. Yeah. That's because you, process it. you prioritize that. You know? Yeah, I have to process it. It's a different different way to process it, exactly. So the word trespasses is the Greek 3900, and it's uh, paraptoma. And it means the following, a sidestep, a lapse or deviation, right? You messed up. Turn to the left, turn to the right. You weren't thinking. Unintentional error or willful transgression. Oh, man, you could just do it unintentionally. Right. Or you can do it willful. Well, you could accidentally hurt somebody, or you could willfully hurt somebody. Right. right, that's true. So it's a, a fail, a fault, an offense. Wow, to fail, fault, or offense. Yeah, you know, it's like when you say there's no trespassing signs. <laughs> just go over the fence. <laughs> you just trespassed. So then, here's the thing: the season of Teshuvah is a time for each man annually to examine his own life. Wow. So this is the issue: is we have to. It's a time to stop and then take a look. At ourselves, what are we doing? You know, are we sidestepping? Are we making lapses or deviations? Right. Right. Or do we have some unintentional or willful transgressions that we've caused or committed? Right. Have we failed? Have we faltered? You know, have we caused an offense? It's good to just stop and take a deep breath and examine in, in, a, in a period of rest. Yeah. Just and be stop. humble, right? I mean, this is this is a humble. I do that a lot in my exercise. bed. You know, before I go to bed or when I wake up, I can lay there and just think, what do I need to do? What's what's going on? What's happening? Yeah. Who do I need to call or what do I need to do? Uh, it is also a time to restore relationships between men as well as God. So like if you've got a knot with your brother or you got something going on, this is a, a great season to bury the hatchet, just not in their back. Just don't leave the handle up. <laughs> no, no, bury it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> bury the hatchet. So yeah, here's that in your back. I like that. So here's a quote from Pastor Nick Plummer. I know him. Should should you say your own quote? No, go ahead. Okay. You so your success job. in life will not be determined by monetary value, but by your relationship with God and with each other. Boy, ain't that the truth? It is the truth. I mean, if you're supposed to bless your enemies, turn the other cheek, it's all relational. Well, they mistreated me. They did. okay. Get over it. Move on. Right. It'll be okay. My goodness, it'll be okay. That's right. You know. I agree. I mean. So always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That sums up the teaching of the Torah and the prophets. And that is uh, Matthew seven twelve from the complete Jewish Bible. Say that again. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That sums up the teaching of the Torah and the prophets. What an incredible teaching. That was powerful. Yeah. The season of Teshuvah. It's right there. I mean, think about it. It is. There's a lot of other cool stuff. I mean, Within the Jewish tradition, you know, there's the idea that the king is in the field. I love that. I love that he's available. He's right there that I can just walk over to him. I, I used to sit on my porch and pray. He's accessible. In the mornings, and I would look down my southern field, you know, and there's like a tree line that curves around. And I would imagine that he would like walk. That would be so cool. Around the corner and just come up and sit with me. And I'd be like, you know, Lord, it's just me. Nobody. Maybe the Lord is creating circumstances in our lives to draw us closer to him personally. Like, Nobody else is here, Lord. He's jealous of us. Maybe you can just come and sit. I won't tell. Yeah, come on. Because you know, that's what he would tell people when he'd encounter them. He'd say, listen, yeah. don't tell anybody. Like the road to Emmaus, whatever. Ugh. Good stuff. All right, so you got any points? I'm, I'm good, man. I, I think it's uh, a time to get right with each other and with God. I mean, yeah. 
what more do you want? I yeah. Mean, so what you what you can do is you can ask others. You know, like maybe maybe there's somebody that you've got some uh, personality quirks with or something like that. Maybe you could go to those people and be like, hey, you know, have I offended you? Is there anything like if I have, I just want you to know that I. Apologize. Yeah, I mean, if you feel like you might have said something or done something, I, I know someone would come up to me or say something, or, or they would along the lines of this or that, and I would want to be I would be very apologetic personally just because you know i might have said something yeah that i shouldn't have said or, the or way in a I way said it. you shouldn't have said it right but there's nothing wrong with with uh you know asking for forgiveness or, or, or giving an apology i agree you know i had no intention of hurting you i had no intention of being that or saying that yeah i think that's important that people see that in you yeah amen you know because you can see the body language you know when i'm sharing and teaching you know people but um, <laughs> it's predominantly good, but it's just the point of, you know, some of the things we don't need to say. Yeah, amen. When we're in front of people. we got to be careful. I learned my lesson on that. Yeah. I'm still learning. Amen. All Shouldn't right. have said that. Go ahead. Let's pray out. Father, thank you so much that uh, you've given us the gift of your son and thereby the forgiveness of sins. We owe you everything. And, uh, and so, Lord, we, we offer our lives to you as living sacrifices this day and every day, Lord, that, that we would be holy and pleasing to you and that that would be an acceptable gift. And so, Lord, we just pray now uh, in Jesus' name that everyone that is listening will return to you, Father, that the Holy Spirit will, will convict everyone that hears this, that they need you, that you love them, that you want a relationship with them, Lord, and that they would return to you. And we pray this, like I said, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, listen, bless you guys. Bless your season of Teshuvah uh, from me to you, from Pastor Nick to you. We bless you and just pray many great things for you. Have a great week. Amen. Mm-hmm.